0: podcast. My name is Hannah. Thanks for joining me this evening and I am so excited. I finally have my internet back and I've been waiting and waiting, very impatiently I will add, um, to talk about Evil Dead Rise. So I am a huge, 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 huge fan of Fede Alvarez's 2013 version of Evil Dead. I love the tone. I love the grittiness. I love It's just like a a dirty, brutal movie. Tons of tension. Um, And I've been waiting for a good probably half a decade since I became a fan of that one for a a next Evil Dead movie along those lines. I love the original. Um, I think it's very creepy in its own right. It, of course, suffers from budgetary constraints. Um, Everybody on the film was kind of new to filmmaking at the time, And then they didn't, like I said, they didn't really have a budget. They kind of were just like, let's throw this movie together. Let's do what we can, make it as scary as we possibly can. And I think there are definitely some major, major creep factor moments in that movie that just kind of give you chills. Um, But I don't think Evil Dead 2, I didn't have that feeling with Evil Dead 2, and I've not seen Arming of Darkness just because I know it's a complete shift tonally. And that's not to say that I hate Evil Dead 2 or that I would hate Army of Darkness. It's just not a priority of mine to watch Army of Darkness. And I don't hate Evil Dead 2. It's just I prefer the tone of the original Evil Dead. And I prefer the tone of the 2013 Evil Dead. And like I said, that is not not me being disrespectful. Those movies, I mean, without them, we don't have Evil Dead Rise. So... Um, you can have your own opinion on that. You can think Army of Darkness is the best one. I can respect it. You can think Evil Dead 2 is the best one, or Evil Dead, or 2013. Mad respect to whatever opinion you hold on whichever Evil Dead movie is the king. Um, I mean, aside from Bruce Campbell. Um, because we all know he's the actual king here. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, you could have your own opinion on that and that's totally fine. If you're someone who's like, that's blasphemous, um, you can go sit down. Um, And if you're like the Evil Dead original suck, you can also go sit down because without them, we don't have this. And this movie is absolutely incredible. Everything about it is so incredible. Everyone, I can't even just mention one actor or actress, because everyone in this movie fucking nails it. Every performance, all of the makeup, every effect, the story, the atmosphere, I love the shift in narrative, the shift in uh, setting, we're in a city now, we're in this high-rise, everything about it is just fantastic. The cold open is wonderful um, and it kind of sets the tone for the movie of you think it's gonna be one thing and it's kind of a different thing Um, and it still is very much an Evil Dead movie it plays very much by the Evil Dead rules um, and it's more in line tonally with the 2013 Evil Dead movie which I really appreciate because that one's my favorite So if that is your thing, if you really enjoyed the 2013 Evil Dead movie, I suggest going to see this one. I still think that 2013 is my favorite one. Um, There's just certain aspects of it that I I can't not adore um, or hold in extremely high regard, but this one is phenomenal. I've seen it three times already, um, and I would strongly encourage you, if you liked the 2013 one, go see this one go see it as many times as you can afford to see it because without the support, we don't get another one. And that's really what we want is another one in line with this one. So my initial review, spoiler-free review, go see it. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. Uh, If you like the 2013 one, you're going to like this one. We don't have any returning actors from the 2013 one, but all of the actors in this one... I think they're all perfect for their roles, and I think that they just, they just nail it. Go see the movie. Okay? Okay? Pause this. Go see the movie. Then come back. Are you back? Did you do it? Did you see it? Cool. Here is the spoiler section of the movie. So, cold open. We start off. We're doing the forest zoom thing. Super excited. Heartbeats going crazy. I got butterflies in my tummy because I fucking love that shit going through the forest, doing the zoomies. We come out onto this lake and we zoom over this girl who looks like she was terrified. And then we hear little hover blades. We see a drone. So right away, they're subverting our expectations a little bit. And if you've seen the 2013 Evil Dead movie, you do have certain expectations. Um, You know, in the original Evil Dead series, it's kind of like this evil that just keeps coming and coming and coming. Evil Dead 2013 did away with that, and not because Fetty Alvarez wanted to do away with that. Um, it's actually because of Sam Raimi that we have the ending we have in the 2013 movie. Apparently, Fetty Alvarez wanted to have the, the spirit, the Deadite, come back uh, and take Mia, like in the original with Ash. Um, but... Sam Raimi felt it was just kind of like too mean, you know, why not give her (laughs) a good ending after all that she's been through? You know, she tore her own arm off. So just, you know, let it be sort of a thing. So we get back to that in this one, though, that 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 uh, inescapable evil. Um, So and just the hovercraft coming in or the drone coming in and that's the spirit moving through the woods. It's, it's kind of like trying to warn you. We're going to subvert your expectations a little bit. So there's a girl sitting there with this this guy's the one controlling the drone. And he makes a joke about how, you know, you should have seen your face. And she's like, um, that could have killed me, taken my head off. And he's like, no, just cut your face up real good. Guy's kind of a dick. So she goes back to the cabin. She's trying to reach. He won't shut up. He's kind of an annoying douche character at this point. So she goes back to the cabin they're staying at in this at this lake. And uh, her cousin is laying on the bed. And her cousin is the one who dragged her out here. That's her cousin's boyfriend, the douchey guy. So she sits down, starts reading her book again. And it's a Wuthering Heights. And you can read, you know, it closes in on a close up of the page she's on. And it's this nightmare, you know, you can just kind of pick words out. And it's this nightmare sequence that's happening in the book. And then the cousin, Jessica, who's supposed to be drugged and asleep, starts reciting the passage. And of course, there's overlapping voices and it's very spooky. The cousin shuts the book. The one on the bed keeps reciting it. You know, the cousin is telling her cousin, Jessica, to stop reading it. You know, she's like, stop, stop, stop. And then when Jessica finally does stop, she falls, she does this amazing fall off the bed. It's like the most, it's literally like the most dramatic fainting I've ever witnessed in a movie. Like, it's so cool though. And she just kind of like turns her body into liquid and folds forward off the side of the bed. Um, And... Her cousin freaks out, goes and looks at her. She starts coughing up this milky substance. She thinks she's having a seizure because that would be the logical explanation at this point is Jessica's having a seizure. Of course... If you've ever seen an Evil Dead movie, you know it's not a seizure. She's possessed already by a spirit. And uh, when the cousin goes down to listen to Jessica's heart, she grabs her braid and just yanks her hair and fucking scalps her. And it is so gnarly and so fast. And you're like, oh my gosh. Like The movie's like, buckled up, buttercup, right from the start, you know? which I freaking love because that's how the 2013 was too you know you you get that hardcore opening and we're already we're already off to a good start in my book and so the scalped cousin is making her way back to the boyfriend to beg him for help and to his credit he acts really well in this scene um not the actor but the character I mean the character is great or the actor I mean is great um the character you, he kind of flips around here he, he's alert. He's attentive. He understands it's an emergency. He's like, what happened? And then we see Jessica coming through and he's attent- alert of, er, attentive and alert to her as well. And she is, of course, deadite. Her eyes are all fucked up. Her face and skin just like the color of her is terrible. And as she grabs the drone, she like looks at Caleb. And so we're coming back to that comment about oh, it wouldn't take your head off and just cut your face up real good. And she slams the drone's blades into her face and the force of it knocks her into the lake which I think is really just like it's a fun detail fun physics and the boyfriend is like holy shit and so he jumps in after her and you're like this is the one time you could have been a douche and not done anything like this is the one time it was acceptable and you jumped in to save her and of course he drowns well kind of She rips his head off and throws it on the dock. And it's really fun because, I mean, technically they're correct. Um, You still have function in your brain and brain activity for, I think it's 20 seconds after you're beheaded. So his eye and his mouth and his forehead does like these little twitchy things and then stops, which I think is really fun. Um, It is a a CGI effect. I think it would have been 50 times better if it had been practical. Um, But it is, it's done well uh, to their credit. I just think it would have been better practical. Uh, And then we get Jessica rising up out of the lake and the title card behind her. And then it cuts to one day earlier. So we're already, like I said, already off to a good start, man. So one day earlier, we see this lady completely unrelated to the p- characters we've seen already, which is just the three. Um, she's peeing in this really shitty bathroom that has graffiti all over the place. Um, and you can see there's graffiti under the mirror. that says, how do I look? And it's all over the walls. And it just looks like like spray paint vomit everywhere. Um, she's peeing on a pregnancy test, so obviously, you know, big red flags there. Unless you don't know what a pregnancy test is, then I guess you... But anyway, so she's peeing on a pregnancy test, someone calls for her, she tells them. They're like, where's the guitar, blah blah blah, and she's like, it's over, backstage left, like I told you. And we don't get to see the result of the pregnancy test, but it's pretty heavily implied that It's positive. Like, those are the vibes we get immediately. Um, There's not a ton of nuance to it. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty obvious, which is fine. I know a lot of people liked the 2013 one for the subtext. And I think that there is some subtext in this one as well in regards to motherhood and being a parent and the sacrifice it takes to be a parent, specifically a mother, Um, especially since it's just... Beth and her sister Ellie, who are kind of the the main two parties going at it here. Uh, Ellie already being a mother, Beth being the one who peed on the pregnancy test in the beginning. So I definitely think this movie has some subtext about uh, pregnancy and motherhood and all that jazz. Um, it's not as... I think it is kind of... I think it's not as covert as 2013 subtext about um drugs and addiction but uh it is it's pretty interesting and I do like it. Um the whole motherhood thing is it's a very fun trope to be playing with. So anyway, the day earlier, Beth She arrives in LA, and we can see clearly that it's LA because people have Laker stickers on the back of their cars. I guess they don't do that anywhere else, you know? Uh, But she arrives to her sister's building and she goes up and we get some fun characterization of her sister and then also the sister's kids. So we have Danny's the oldest And he wants to be a DJ. He's got his music playing real loud. He's got his, you know, his, uh, I don't even know what you call those. I know what you call those, but I'm having a brain fart. Anyway, he's got a a record player, uh, the type that DJs have. Whatever the fuck they're called. Damn, my brain fart. And then we have the middle child, Bridget. And she wants to go to a Labor Day protest and she's going to wear a shirt that says eat the rich so we get some characterization of her. And then we have the youngest Cassie who's cutting a head off of a doll and putting a scrunchie on the neck where the head is. And while all that's going on, we have Ellie, the mom, who's fixing a tattoo kit. And you can see that she's fixing it herself. She's got tools that she's using to put it together. She's a very do-it-yourself kind of lady, it seems. And while she's sitting there, there's a knock on the door. The doorbell rings, and Bridget goes to answer it. And it's these two kids from next door, apparently. She opens the door, and the older one is like... Hey, Bridget, we're gonna mom's on nights, so we're gonna watch all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in a row. And the younger brother goes, "Even the shitty ones," and he's like, "There are no shitty ones," which had me dying, and it was very awkward because the first time I saw this, I saw this by myself. I went, and I was not in the front row by any means, but. I was the closest to the screen and I had the whole row to myself and everyone else was sitting behind me so everyone could see and hear what I was doing. So I was like, I'm going to look like a sociopath if I laugh at anything going on in this movie. And there were definitely times that I was, that I wanted to because the thing that I love about the Evil Dead 2013 movie is you can kind of like, you can kind of sift through the terror a little bit and find some funny stuff. You know, like when Natalie's cutting off her arm, you know, Mia's like, don't do it, you little bitch. And she's like, fuck you. And that always makes me laugh every time. And there's just like little pieces like that, that if you like, if you can get past the terror of the moment, it's really fucking funny. And that's, this one does that as well. So like, even though it's horrifying, you kind of want to laugh. And I was like, if I do that, they're definitely going to they're going to call the fucking they're going to call the cops on me because they're going to be like, this woman is a sociopath. And I had gone in my work trucks and it's my business. So I was <laughs> like, I don't want them thinking that I'm a maniac because then they, they'll never call my business. You know, my brain just does stupid stuff like that. But anyway, so that was one of the times when i I laughed out loud because we hadn't gotten to the scary bits yet. And uh, Bridget is like, in your dreams, and then she shuts the door and she's watching them. And you can see that the older one wants to knock again and ask again, but he just goes away disappointed. And then she turns and Cassie's sitting there and she's got a mop on her head and she's got the doll's head at the end of the mop stick. And she's looking at her sister and she goes, your boyfriends are weirdos. And she's like, you're the weirdo. And then they get into a tussle and then the mop snaps in half and we get this sharp point on the mop handle with that doll head. And then Bridget runs away from her sister into Danny's room. And then uh, Danny and Bridget, you know, together kind of throw Cassie on the bed and tickle her and stuff. It's a really cute sibling moment. And I have to say that the siblings in this movie are a lot of fun. All of their lines are fun. Their banter is fun. The way they interact with each other is really fun. And Bridget, you can tell she's kind of the um, the responsible middle child sort. Um, you know, you get Danny, the oldest, is daring, and then Bridget is like, "We got to think about this. We got to be logical." And then the youngest, Cassie, is the innocent one. Everybody kind of mothers her. And everybody does a really good job in this movie of seeming like they know each other, seeming like family. They mesh really well together. They have good family chemistry. It's just everyone was cast perfectly in this movie. And I don't know how they did it, but, I mean, the casting director did an amazing job of finding the right person for the right roles in this movie. No, I mean, everyone is kind of praising... Alyssa Sutherland, as they should. Um, So she plays the mom, Ellie, in this movie. And she does a phenomenal job. There's a lot of physical acting. A lot of what she does in this role is facial expression. And just what she's doing with her arms and her limbs and her muscles. And she, she does an amazing, incredible job. Like, if they had cast anybody else, I don't think... Ellie would be as effective as a deadite as she is, but like, Alyssa Sutherland nails it. But everyone else as well just plays their role absolutely perfectly. I mean, the actors in this movie just kick ass all up and down the place, and in every single scene, every single line, every single sequence, they they hit the note perfectly. They hit everything perfectly. It's phenomenal. I could never say enough great things about the actors in this movie and their performance in this movie because it's amazing. So anyway, after the boys leave, uh, we see Ellie is getting the dye out of her hair. And the doorbell rings again. She goes to answer it, and Beth jumps out and surprises her, and she smacks Beth in the face. And she's like, "Beth, you bitch!" <laughs> they're like, kind of laughing about it, and they go inside. And Beth is talking about her travels to her niece, her nieces, and nephew, and uh, you know, giving out gifts. And as she's doing that, you know, Cassie's got her doll head on us on the mop stick. And she's like, "So, uh, what's her situation? Who? What is? What? Who's your friend? What's her situation?" She's like, "This is Stephanie, and Stephanie is the most underrated character in this movie. I fucking love Stephanie. I want a shirt that says Stephanie saves lives." So, Cassie goes on to tell a ghost story. About when the building used to be a bank, blah, blah, blah. Teller killed himself, he'll scare you to death. And so she's like, Stephanie is gonna scare him to death first. And I was like, that is so cute and so funny and so weird. And I love this strange little girl. And the brother, of course, is like, no, it's true. So, you know, Aunt beth looks at him like, you're full of shit. Why would you tell her that? And he's like, it's true. And I just love it. Like I said, the family dynamic is so cool in this movie. It's so real and it's so fun. But this moment kind of brings us to Beth saying, you know, oh look what I got for your dad. And everybody gets awkwardly silent. And she's like, what's going on? So the mom, Ellie, sends the kids out for pizza while she explains to Beth that, you know, her husband left her. And Beth is like, why didn't you call me? And she's like, I did twice, you know, the night he told me he was leaving. And then the night that he moved out, And, uh, then Beth listens to the voice messages, and she doesn't get very far into them, but you can tell it's, like, she's like, ah, shit, you know? And she explains she's trying to make chief tech, blah, 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 on the crew, and I... This is where things get kind of iffy, because Ellie is, like, she's a groupie, and Beth is like, I'm not a groupie, I'm a guitar technician, so... I don't know if that's a thing or not. Like, I don't know. Maybe she's a groupie. Maybe she has an actual job. I don't really know. I think it's kind of weird that she could just afford to go to Shanghai with the people she's with. But, like, I don't know how that shit works. I've never been a groupie or a guitar tech. So I have no idea. Anybody who knows anything about that, please hit me up in the comments or tweet at me or something. Because I do want to know a little bit more about that. But, um... She was talking about how she's absorbed in her job, and blah, 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 and that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then they sit down on the bathtub. My dog just shook out her fur very noisily. Are you done, Courage? Thanks. So they have a conversation on the bathtub, on the bathtub, literally on the side of it. And Beth's like, you know, I messed up, and I need you to help me out. And so that's kind of, okay, so the pregnancy test was positive. That's what I thought immediately. As she's talking to Ellie, the kids get back into the parking garage. We see they have a clicker for the gate to get into the garage of the building. And as they're trying to bring in the pizza, an earthquake happens, and a hole opens up in the bottom of the garage. And Danny's like, sees a bang ball, and he goes down in there. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm go down in there. Like your family, your dad just left. Like your family's being evicted, which is another plot point. This whole building is getting knocked down in a month, and they have a month to leave. So not only did poor Ellie's husband leave her, but now she's down to one income, and she's being evicted, you know, because the whole building's getting knocked down. Like, there's no option for her. And she doesn't know where they're going to move yet. So big sadness all around for Ellie lots of uh, lots of pressure um but Danny sees the bank vault and he goes down in there and of course he's thinking like he's thinking like I'm thinking like there's got to be something valuable down here that we can hawk and you know it'll be awesome we you know maybe a gold bar someone left behind or even some old coins that are worth something and Bridget being the responsible one is like Danny don't go down there there could be aftershock he goes down there anyway fuck yeah Danny Danny's looking around, he finds some old vinyls, because he's a DJ guy, he puts them in his backpack, and he's looking around, looking around, and he he hears this noise, and it's literally, turns out to be Jesus on the cross, and it pops out at him, and it's kind of being held back by these chains, and as it pops out at him, he goes, fuck, and I was like, man, I would have said Jesus Christ, that would have been so much funnier. <laughs> But that's because I'm a maniac. Anyway, so as he's down there, he turns and he sees this giant cement, like, casket, crypt. It's very small for a crypt, but there's all these medallions hanging over it for Saint Benedict. And Saint Benedict, among other things, he is supposed to protect you from curses, evil, and vice, so all these medallions are sitting there, and they're all from St. Benedict, and there's a ton of crosses hanging from the ceiling as well. The There's a hole in the cement that kind of opens up, and inside is a book, and Danny grabs the book. It's wrapped up. There's tons of cockroaches in it, which, ill fuck that. There's a ton of cockroaches on a book. I'm not fucking touching it. That's not normal. Cockroaches should not be swarming over a book. That's insane. Probably because it's human flesh. Anyway... This book has teeth. He finds the fucking Monster Book of Monsters from Harry Potter. And he puts it in his bag and he takes it upstairs with him. And as they're going upstairs, um, Ellie is freaking out upstairs because the kids aren't answering their cell phone. Because the entire wireless cell network is fucked. Um, No one can get through to anyone and they're not replying. So, of course, she goes into full mom mode and she's freaking out. And as she's freaking out, she goes down the hall, knocks on a door, goes down the hall, knocks on another door, you know, and this guy comes out and his name's Gabriel. And Gabriel, I'm not really sure who he is. He seems to be related to the other two boys that came and were trying to watch the Freddy movies with Bridget. But I don't know if he's dad or older brother. He looks too young to be dad, but he's also very dad-like to be an older brother. So I don't really know. But they they kind of belong together, it seems. And then down at the other end of the hall is this older man um, who smokes. He's He comes out and he asks, he introduces himself to Beth and everything. And he asks if Beth can hear her. And Beth is like, hear who? And he's like, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And he shakes this box of treats. And he says his cat likes to hide in the ceiling vents. And she's like, oh, okay. So uh, Gabriel has agreed to... Take Ellie to go look for the kids, cause Ellie's like, "Can I borrow your car keys? Can I borrow your car? And I-, I need to go find my kids." And he's like, "I'll drive you," which is super sweet and super responsible of him, both for himself and for her. So he goes uh, to get his keys, and as they're about to go to the elevator, well, down that that way, cause the elevator stairs are next to each other. So I don't know if they were gonna go to the elevator or the stairs, but as they're going that way, the elevator opens up, and the kids all show up and ellie's like you never take the elevator after an earthquake which i didn't think about because i don't live where there are earthquakes i never have but holy fuck she's right and also this whole sequence made me realize i would never want to live in an apartment building in a place where there's earthquakes why do people do that you get you would be fucked that's just it's insanity anyway that's a side note So, uh, Cassie's so cute, she's like, Bridget dropped the pizza, and Ellie's like, I love you guys so much more than pizza, and it's a really sweet moment, and you can tell it affects Beth, and then they're back in the apartment, and uh, Danny's got the book and the vinyls, and he's showing Bridget the book, and Bridget is like, you stole it, and he's like, I didn't steal it, it was down there, like, it's probably been down there for, you know, a hundred years, And he's right. If you leave that down in a vault and you don't go get it and they built something else over it, then fuck yeah. It's not stealing. It's like finding treasure, man. It's all good, except what he finds isn't good. It's the Book of the Dead, so of course it's not actually a good thing to find. But if it were, it'd be finders keepers, man. Back off, Bridget. Danny is in the right here. So Danny's like, do you think it's worth something? Bridget's like, fuck that. He's trying to open it, and he cuts himself on one of the teeth on the book. Which, if that's what opens a book, fuck that. Do not look at that book. His blood drips on the cover, and suddenly the teeth stop clenching together, and they open up, and he can open the book. Fuck That. If that is exactly how you open the book, you don't need to be looking at it. You don't need to touch it. You don't even need to think about it. You throw that shit out the fucking window as fast as you possibly can. That's always the rule. Okay, everyone? So if a book opens by blood, throw it out the fucking window. Don't have anything to do with it. That's so bad. It's gonna kill you so hard. Anyway, so. Of course, he's looking through it, and it's all these fucked up pictures. And I really like the look of this book, and I really like the way the illustrations are done. They're very dark and heavy shaded. And it's like these pale tan pages with this red ink. Um, and then we find out that it's blood, <laughs> of course, um, because it's the Naturam de Manta. But anyway, he's like looking through. Bridget shuts the book, is like, put it back tonight, right now. And he's like, no one's going to be allowed to leave. Mom's not going to let anyone leave. She's like, fine. First thing in the morning. He says, okay. Then he pulls out the vinyls. And it pisses me off because in the movie, they're like, it's all Danny's fault, blah, 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 because he brought the book in. No. Even if he didn't bring the book, they would have been fucked because he brings the vinyls. That's what gets them murdered. Because stupid Father Marcus. So he plays the first vinyl. And it's really cool. I love the sound of these recordings. There's like a lot of vibrato and everything reverberates and there's lots of echoing and it just sounds old. And he's got to play it. He plays it on his speakers. So it it plays like if you're in a theater, it's all over the place, these voices on this recording. And it's fucking neat. It is awesome. So on the recording, it's this church service. And the guy introduces himself. He says, I'm Father Marcus, library keeper here. We found what we believe is one of the three volumes of the Natura de Monta, The Book of the Dead. And I love the way he says The Book of the Dead. It's so fucking dramatic and great. Like I said, lots of vibrato too. But the reason he's gathered everyone is so he can ask permission from the church to understand and translate this book. And everyone's like, fuck that. That's a bad idea. Good job, everyone. You're right. So he's like, I, you know, I want to look at this book to use it for the betterment of man, and they're like, it's called the Book of the Dead for a reason. Burn it, get rid of it. Blah blah blah. The recording ends. So he puts on the second vinyl tape or vinyl, vinyl record. Throws that on there, starts playing that one, and Father Marcus explains him and two other fathers they've been looking at the naturum de monta anyway even though the church said don't fucking do it and they're translating it in secret and he's got the first passage translated and he's like i will read it now and it's so good because um he starts off with Condor, and you're like um Especially if you've seen the Evil Dead 2013 movie. It's a great callback. But this prayer is longer, so clearly they are summoning something different than what Eric summoned in that movie. They use a lot of the same words, um, but there's more added on at the end. So as he's reading, Danny tries to stop it. He's like, oh, fuck that, that's creepy. Um, but the recording keeps playing. He goes to grab the needle and it electrifies him. So he jumps back. He tries to hit the stop button. It doesn't work. And I'm watching this with my dad the third time and he goes, That's cheating. <laughs> it's like, Yep, they're fucking cheating now. And as the recording is playing, we see from the street that the spirit is moving toward the building. And at the same time, Ellie is going down the elevator to throw some of her husband's or ex-husband now, his stuff away. So as the elevator doors open, the, the evil prayer finishes and the spirit throws her up against the top of the elevator and does a reverse Tower of Terror thing where instead of going all the way down really fast, the elevator shoots all the way up really fast. And I'm so sorry for that noise. That was my dog shaking again. Different dog though. That was blue. So anyway, super fucking cool. She's in the elevator, and there's, like, this high-pitched screaming. She tells it to shut the fuck up like a badass because Ellie's a badass. And then, like, wires and parts of the elevator grab her and start twisting her around, and you realize, of course, she's fucked. She also has got an earring on, and it rips her earring right out of her earloom. And I was, like, considering getting my ears repierced, but then that happened, and I was, like, never mind, you're right. That's why I didn't like earrings in the first place. Fuck I almost forgot. Good point Ellie. So after she's been you know trashed basically all the lights in the building go out except if you're looking from the outside there's one shot of the outside that it shows the different flickering lights. It's only the top floor. So only the top floor is fucked. And they look out the window Bridget does and realizes only their building's being affected. But of course she can't see the windows beneath her. She can only see out at the city. So she's like, only this building is being affected. And if you're a viewer and you catch on, I mean, I've seen the movie three times, so you realize that only the top floor is being affected. And this is another side note. The way these units are numbered pisses me off. I do pest control, I go into apartment buildings, it makes no fucking sense to have their apartment on the, like, 14th floor labeled 85. It makes no sense. None of it. Anyway, not the point. So, they are lighting candles, they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Cassie and Beth have some really cute moments here that I'm not going to spoil you, just gotta watch them. And then... As they're trying to figure out where Ellie is, she walks in the front door. And like I said, the physical acting, Alyssa Sutherland kicks this role's ass. She, oh, just the way she walks in the door is fucking creepy. And then the way she throws the fucking skillet on the stove, creepy. The way she just starts tossing these eggs into the skillet, fucking creepy. The way she's like, doing the little, like, she got the spatula, she's trying to mix up the eggs, making the worst fucking omelet ever. Fucking creepy. It's amazing. And then she starts telling the story about how they were out in the forest, and oh my word. Oh, chills. Shudder. I just shuddered. It's so good, this line delivery. Everything about it is amazing. This is when she says that she, um, Thought about um, cutting them open and crawling inside them so they can remain one big happy family. And this is kind of when everybody's like, what the fuck is happening? So then she comes back. She kind of like seizes in their eyes. And I suppose that's really what happens, you know, movie-wise. And she looks at Beth and says, it's in me. And then she falls to the ground and starts crawling and again the physical acting there's nothing i can say that will do it justice you just have to watch it the physical performance this woman puts on is absolutely stunning it's phenomenal i don't know how she does it like this would like looking at the stuff she does i'm like ow my hip she just like she fucking nails this weird crawl and then this weird move with her back and she looks up And says, don't let it take my babies. And then just spews all this milky vomit shit everywhere. And it's like a crazy amount, you know, Sam Raimi style, crazy amount of vomit. And she passes out into it. So the next thing you know, Beth and Danny, they're dragging her towards the elevator. Bridget and Cass are like, what's going on? Cass is freaking out. So Beth is like... Take Cass back into the apartment, Bridget. They're going to the elevator. The elevator's fucked. It keeps doing this opening, closing, opening, closing thing. And she's like, go to the stairs. They look at the stairs for the first time in this whole movie. But since the earthquake, so this could have happened just now, or it could have happened during the earthquake. We don't really know. The stairs are fucked. There's no stairs. So they're like, what do we do? And as they're trying to figure it out, Ellie dies. Um, so, Gabriel comes in, and so does the older man, Mr. Fonda, from down the hall. They're, they're in there with Aunt Beth, as she's looking at Ellie, and she's like, one minute she's fine, then she was spewing nonsense, and now she's dead, and I just can't believe this. And so, um, Gabriel offers to pray, and nobody's really into it, but they let him do it, because that's what he wants to do, and that's how he'll feel better, clearly. So, as he's praying... Mr. Fonda is like, what happened to her face? It's all fucked up. Like, she got beat up. So, and of course, that's really what happens, is, like, it beats you up from the inside. That's just how the demon works, or the spirit, the entity, whatever you want to call it. Growling in the background is courtesy of my dogs. They think it is time for Wrestlemania. Um, they are wrong. It's 11 o'clock at night. Anyway... Um, we get more explanation and further detail later on about this entity and how it works via wonderful Father Marcus and another vinyl. But for now, we the characters, like, they don't know what's going on. Like, me, I'm like, set that bitch on fire. Like, throw that body into the stairwell. Like, that's not staying here. But, of course, I, you know, I know I'm watching a horror movie. If this were not a horror movie, I don't know if I would be doing that or not. You know what I'm saying? I might be acting like them and actually be sad and be sitting there thinking, you know, my sister died and I just sat there and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, Beth's like, I'm too scared to even face your kids. And yeah, that sucks. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Like, what do you even tell the kids? So as she's sitting there, um, Gabriel is like, Gabriel and Mr. Fonda are like, we gotta get, we gotta get some help in here. And the only... Way out at this point is a fire escape in an empty unit, which is super fucking illegal. Like, they, they don't have any, none of them have access to this fire escape. They have to break into this other unit in order to get to the fire escape. And of course, Mr. Fonda is like, yeah, I got tools, but they're all in my truck. You're not getting through that door without some heavy duty stuff. So he's, Gabriel's trying his best to break through. And Mr. Fonda's is like, I'm going to get my shotgun and blast through the fucking door. I don't like being trapped. And Gabriel is like, listen, everyone is on edge enough without guns getting fired. And he looks at You know, the two young boys, the one teenager and the one young boy, which is why I'm like, I know they're connected somehow, but I don't know if that's the dad, if that's older brother, maybe it's a cousin. I have no idea. But, and we never get to find out. Never get to find out. So as they're doing all that, Ellie's in, or uh, Beth is in with Ellie, and all of a sudden her phone goes off, and it startles you, or it's supposed to didn't startle me because I kind of expect jump scares at this point uh and it's a it's the voicemail from Ellie except it trails off and it's Ellie begging Beth for help she's on fire she's burning up and then when Beth looks back at Ellie um there's a fly on her eye and then she blinks it away and she and sits up and she's like oh my god you're alive and so she touches her and she's like Oh my gosh, she's burning up. And right as that's happening, the kids all walk in. So Danny and Beth take her and drop her into a cold bath. Bridget's like, I'm going to go get some ice. Everybody's trying to react as quickly as possible. Beth does not like this cold water. She starts freaking out. Her eyes roll into the back of her head. Um, She jumps up into the ceiling of the tub. Fun fact, y'all, that is not normal. I don't care what the fuck, disease, illness... Plague, you have, you should not be doing that shit. That's demon possession, right there, y'all. That's when you need to grab a gun. Anyway, she jumps up there and then she crawls on the ceiling out of the tub and is kind of like catty cornered on the wall. And that, like, she's in the corner of the ceiling and just starts screaming this high pitched wail. And it breaks glass. The water and the tub begins to boil down the hall. They can hear it, and then she, at some point, she just closes her mouth and falls into the tub. Which my first thought was like, oh my gosh, what a terrifying stunt! What did you hit your head in the tub? I'm sure they did it really well behind the scenes and all that. It was probably super safe, but cool stunt. And then that's when you get. You know, the scene from all of the previews, the little hand and the fingers coming on the side of the tub and mommy's with the maggots now. And then she gets out, starts crawling toward Danny and Beth, Danny and Beth, GTFO out of that bathroom, super fucking fast, super fucking smart. And Beth, or as Ellie comes out, Bridget sees that she's got a giant shard of glass of the mirror in her hand. And so um, she kind of does, like, a fake out with Beth where she, like, makes her Beth flinch and then goes at her for real. And she takes that shard and just shoves it right through Beth's hand. And my dad just went "Ow!" really quietly in the theater. And I was like, for real. Goes right through her hand. And then Bridget is screaming at her and Mom, stop, 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 stop. So Ellie's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, Bridget. She's like, what's wrong with me, Bridget? And Bridget's like, I don't know. And she goes, I know. And she's like, I'm finally free, free from all you titty-sucking parasites. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. So then, of course, she goes after Bridget. And that's where we get the needle-to-the-eye scene. Except, unlike the 2013, you know, like I said, it subverts your expectation. So she's got the, the tattoo gun and she's going towards bridget's eye bridget is like ew gross no i'm also like ew gross no like i was in the 2013 one and then she the other thing is totally forgot this ellie puts it in her own head first and then goes to dig it into bridget's skin so when it cuts her across the cheek you just know if you've seen an evil dead movie before you're like oh bridget is fucked like she's goner she's goner so as they're they're kind of like tussling and Ellie's like, do you want me to kiss it better? Danny slams a chair into mom. They get Bridget up off the floor. And as Ellie's doing the inu, minu, minu, you thing, Gabriel opens the door and he's like, Ellie. And then she jumps at him. And she has that evil dead deadite power. Fucking hate that. It's too much, man. She rips into his skull and eats his eye, but she doesn't quite swallow it. It gets caught in her throat. And as his brothers or sons or cousins or whatever it is are looking at her, she coughs it up into the older one's throat and he chokes and dies on Gabriel's eyeball. <laughs> Which is really fucking funny to me, but I couldn't laugh, especially it's a nod to Evil Dead 2. I couldn't laugh though because like, again, I'm alone in the front. Psychopath, you know, can't do it. And then uh, she's in the hallway and of course Beth is like fuck that we're not dealing with it she closed the door locks the door bolts it gets a cabinet move in front of it puts a bike chain on the door and on this pipe next to the door and she looks through the peephole and this is probably the most like harrowing part of the movie just like like there's something so disturbing about the younger boy who's maybe like eight or nine running through the hallway away from Ellie and Ellie chases him down and it's he starts screaming and it's just oh like he needs an Aunt Beth but Aunt Beth is taken he needs his own Aunt Beth there's no one to help him and something about that just is like viscerally not okay, like just like naturally instinctively disturbing. And then as he after he screams she she throws him across the hallway and he doesn't have any arms. So he's dead. Then we hear this loud boom and it's Mr. Fonda. He's got the shotgun and he had he shot Ellie once, does not get to shoot her again because she crawls at him, grabs him, drags him down the hallway and we understand that he's dead. And this is the point where through on my first watch through, I'm like, oh my lord, we, we still have so much runtime left, I'm sure, and all of the supporting characters are dead. And this is an Evil Dead movie. Like, you usually don't really have supporting characters in an Evil Dead movie, you just have everyone else and the final girl. So I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my word, are we going to kill all these children? Are we going to kill both nieces and the nephew? Like, who's going to survive? Like, I was thrown for a loop. I was like, oh my word. Like, clearly not all of them can make it. Because that just goes against, that just goes against everything that an Evil Dead movie is. And I was like, freaking out at this point because I like all of the kids. Like, it was so, it's so terrible. So, um... Beth opens the window and is, like, yelling to a homeless man, like, we need help. He doesn't hear her. Bridget's like, don't you think mom looks like one of those things in the, that book? And so she's like, Danny, this is your fault. And he's like, it's not my fault. Danny, you're right. It's not really your fault, okay? How are you supposed to know what was on those? It's all right, man. So they start tussling. Beth says, stop. Knock it off. And then um, Danny's like, I have something to show you. Shows her the book. Explains as much as he can, realizes he's like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. And you're like, it's not your fault, Danny. It's not my fault. So as Bridget and Cassie are in the living room, Bridget's got ice to her cheek. She gets up to go look at it uh, in the kitchen because she turns on the burner real high and it's like a real fire gas burner. And so the fire gets real high. So that way it Provides light so she can look in this tiny mirror of this first aid kit. And she sees that it is black, the cut, and it just spreads. You know, it's evil dead. It's spreading. So she freaks out. Uh, she starts oozing black from her eyes and her mouth and her nose and she's just like coughing and trying to get it out of her mouth this taste of whatever the fuck it is and then she starts coughing and then choking and then you can tell she's about to vomit and she vomits out maggots and bugs and you're like uh," just vomits out these maggots and bugs and at the same time Ellie's out in the hall and starts singing to Cassie. And so Cassie goes and looks out the peephole. And she's like, what's wrong with you, mommy? And Ellie's like, I was just feeling sad about your dad and I. <laughs> and I was like, that that's an acceptable excuse for a murder spree? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Okay, well, usually when I'm feeling sad, I just, like, listen to sad music and go to sleep. But, um, uh, I guess different strokes for different folks, Ellie. Uh... <laughs> maybe don't make Ellie sad ever again then everyone <laughs> so she's like but your dad's here now we're getting back together so open the door you know and she finally convinces Cassie to unlock it and she reaches her arm through and grabs Cassie by the throat Danny and Beth come out and they rescue her uh and get the door closed back and Cassie's like I'm sorry I thought mom was better so Beth tells Cassie and Danny to go to the r- go to your room and and as they're doing that, Beth hears noise in the kitchen. Goes to investigate, and Bridget is like perched on the counter with her head cocked at a weird angle. She looks like a fucked up pterodactyl, just sitting up there. And my first thought was like these kid actors like well I guess they're not kids they're you know, they're a little bit older you know they're I think uh, Morgan is 22 that's the actor who plays Danny and I think Gabrielle is 17 or something like that anyway they're having tons of fun in their roles like that that was the only thing I think of is like they're having so much fun in this movie doing this job like there's no way they're not because they fucking nail it like if if they're not having a good time There's no way they would nail it as well as they do. And they fucking rock this shit. Like, they crush it. Bridget goes full dead eye. Beth's like, what are you looking at? She turns her head and is, like, hunched over something. We just hear this crunching sound. And she looks back at Beth, and she's got this glass goblet that she's eating. And she's like, I got the creepy crawlies in my tummy. And she's like, I don't like creepy crawlies in my tummy. I don't like things in my tummy. And you're like... And she's, like, eating the glass, and as she does, she swallows it. And you can see the glass cutting her throat as it goes down. So horrible. So good. I fucking love it. It's on par with Needle in the Eye in 2013. And it is so cool. So, she fucks with Beth. They. She tries to kill Beth. This is where we get the cheese grater on the leg scene. And then... Um, she sees Bridget, sees Danny, starts chasing Danny. Danny runs away, goes back into the room where Cass is, and Bridget turns to Cass. And then Stephanie comes up and fucking saves the day. Stephanie saves lives, everybody. I no longer feel safe in my own house without a Stephanie. You need to get me a Stephanie ASAP because Stephanie goes. Right through the back of Bridget's throat. Like all the way to the doll head is almost at her mouth. That's how far back that mop handle. That that like fucking spear mop handle goes through her throat. She pulls the whole thing out. Like the worst magic trick you've ever seen. And then falls onto the floor. And it's so great. The color of her eyes. The way the makeup's done. Her expression. Bridget's on the floor and there's just blood pooling. And it is so creepy and fucked up and that's where you get another you know scene from the trailer you'd make a good mom aunt beth you know how to lie to kids and then um we get danny is like i thought i should tie her up and of course he's got her tied up and like she she's got like a blanket or a drape over her and then he's got bungee cords and belts around her and it's damn good thinking danny like that is the way to go for sure And then Beth is like, I want to listen to those tapes. Or she's like, I want to listen to that vinyl. And you're like, wow, this is a really weird time. to want to listen to my mixtape, Aunt Beth. Danny's like, no, it's too dangerous. You know, that's what fucked us up in the first place. And she's like, well, maybe something like that can unfuck us. So I'm going to go listen to it. He tells her I started at one. He read the weird prayer on two. And she goes, I'll start from the back. She goes straight to the last vinyl, which is vinyl seven. Plays that. And as it's playing... Um, we get some fun, 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 creepy shit. So Ellie's out in the hallway still. She see, she understands that Mr. Fonda's cat is in the ventilation, knows she can use that to get through the, to the apartment. So she does, you can hear her up there. And as the kids, Danny's got a knife and Cassie's behind him. As they are following the sound of her moving through the vents, Just really creepily behind them, really quietly, Bridget comes into frame with that drape over her, and my dad, like, it impressed him. He went, oh, like, you can just hear it, and I was like, takes a lot to impress my dad. That's a good one, guys. Really good shot, really good scene, really good tension. Because you just don't know when either of them is going to strike, you know? You're like, is Ellie going to drop from the ceiling if it just strikes at the same time? You don't know. And in the meantime, Aunt Beth's listening to this vinyl of Father Marcus. And she has sound-canceling headphones on, which is the worst fucking thing you could do in this situation. So she's listening to him, and he explains. So in the 2013 movie, there's the uh de Manta that they have. There are three of them, supposedly, in existence. So if you want to still count the original Evil Dead as being in the same universe as this one, then the Necronomicon de Mortis is either a different book entirely that summons a different spirit entirely, or it is one of the three Naturum de Monta, and they found another one in the, the 2013 Evil Dead, and then this is a different Naturum de Monta. So Father Marcus explains, I tried burning them. They reveled in the flames. I tried burying them in consecrated earth. They came up spitting and raging. I tried bodily dismemberment and I failed. Every time I try to kill them, they come back. The last of their remains will kill you. Your only option is to run. And that surprised me because in the 2013 one, if you burn someone alive, you buried them alive, or if you dismembered them, that would kill the demon and it would set their soul free. Not here. That is not the rule. You are fucked six ways from Sunday. You just got to GTFO out of there. So, as Beth is hearing this, you know, you can see Ellie coming out of the ceiling in the corner of the room and moving her way down. And in the other room, Danny is, like, about to go into Beth's, well, his room, where Beth is listening to the vinyl. And then, Cassie says be careful, he turns around, he sees Bridget coming at her, pushes Cassie out of the way, stabs Bridget. Bridget grabs him, throws him into the kitchen against the counter, takes the knife out of herself, and starts stabbing him in the arm. And then he pulls the drape off of her. She's like, You should have put the book back, Danny. He grabs an aerosolized spray. As she stabs him in the chest, he sprays it over the flames at her, burns her. She makes pterodactyl sounds, is on fire in the kitchen, which is not a great thing in an apartment. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do in this situation. In the meantime, Beth and Ellie are tussling. And Ellie, this was the funniest shit to me. She does the Lilo and Stitch thing. She puts her finger on the vinyl as it's spinning and opens her mouth. And Father Marcus's voice and his recording starts coming out of her mouth. And I was like, oh my god, they did the Lilo and Stitch thing, but they fuck it up. That's so good. I just loved it. Like, it made me so happy. It was so funny. So then... Uh, Beth stumbles out of there. Danny's down on the ground. He stumbles out of the kitchen. Cassie's under the sofa looking at him. She says his name. He looks at her. He's like, I'm sorry, Cass. And the way he says it is so sad and so heartbreaking. Like, I can't explain it, but the way Morgan says it, Morgan just kills this performance. Like, like just the way Danny is towards his sisters and in this moment, Morgan's line delivery it just breaks your heart that I'm sorry, Cass. And you're like, oh no. And you understand that he's dead. He's going to be a dead egg, of course. So then um, Ellie comes back and is like, I'm going to eat your soul. Super cool. Uh, She says, I'll swallow your soul. So call back, of course, to the other evil deads. And then she starts sniffing and she sniffs up Beth's belly and is like two souls and she's like Ellie waits for you and your unborn bastard baby in hell and then Cassie's like Aunt Beth throws the scissors across the floor to Aunt Beth. Aunt Beth stabs up into Ellie's nose and you're like and it's really funny though because like she just kind of sits there like dumbfounded for a second but then falls back and I love it and then she's just sitting there for a bit because it seems the rule is if you kill the body in some way It sort of puts the evil spirit back and not like takes it away. It just kind of like stops them. It pauses them for a second. They have to wait until, you know, the body can reconfigure itself or something. I don't know. But it gives them time to get out of the apartment. They go down the hallway. Beth's like, Cassie's like, are you going to be a mom, Aunt Beth? And Aunt Beth is like, yeah, and I'm getting you the hell out of here. So we see now that Aunt Beth has made a decision because this whole time it's kind of like you you know she's not sure what she's gonna do. like, is she gonna keep the kid? Is she gonna adopt it out? Is she gonna abort? Like you don't really know what's gonna what she's gonna choose, and it's very nebulous. She seems very undecided until this moment. And I think that's kind of um the subtext of this movie is. You know motherhood like I said and family and what do you do about that what do you do with that so Aunt Beth takes Cassie walks her past all the dead bodies in the hallway is like don't look back and then she's trying to break open the door can't do it with the tools sees mr. Fonda with his gun on the ground grabs the gun right before she blows through the door you hear Beth, and then she turns and of course it's Ellie and she shoots Ellie in the leg Ellie's like flies off. She's on the ground. She looks at Cassie. and She's like, she's trying to take your mom from me, Cassie. And Cassie's like, I know now that you're not really my mom anymore. And then she's like, don't take me from her. You have no idea what it's like to bring a child into this world, Beth. And then Beth is gonna shoot her again. But Mr. Fonda's body wakes up and grabs her by the ankle. She misses. He says, "That's my gun, you thieving cunt." So she starts, and his voice sounds really great in the deadite like reverberation, like the deadite overlap, because he's just got such like a deep voice. It sounds great; it's really growly and crawly and just cool. So she beats the fuck out of his face. Everybody else is waking up. Out come Bridget and Danny, and I have to say, I am so disappointed. We did not get more of Deadite Danny because dead Danny looks completely different than Ellie or Bridget. Got completely wide eyes, completely like, just like deranged, feral looking Danny. And like, I love it. I love Danny's look as a dead I'm so, so sad we didn't get more of that. But I'm glad we got it at least a little bit. So then, and of course, Bridget is burned now, which looks phenomenal. All the makeup, all the design choices in this movie phenomenal so she's burned danny's fucked up he's a dead now. they're leaning over their mom and beth's or ellie says everybody here dies by dawn beth and then of course we get dead by dawn chanting and i was like yes i almost wanted to chant it in the theater but again i'm a weirdo in the front row well the frontest row i guess you could say alone don't want to be a psychopath so i didn't do it but then Beth and Cassie run into the elevator because that's their only option at this point. And of course, all the Deadites are like slowly making their way toward the elevator door. Beth's getting ready to shoot them with the shotgun. She has limited shots, you know, because this is like, that's real life. And uh, Cassie's on the elevator floor and notices that her mom's keys are jammed into the door track. So she grabs them real quick. And the way she offers them up to Beth is so cute. Like, it's so adorable. Like, here you go, Aunt Beth. And Beth takes the keys and puts them in her pocket. They're in the elevator. And it's not going anywhere. Um, it starts filling with blood. And as it's filling with blood, you can see that Danny and Bridget are like digging into Ellie's skin and they're doing something. And the book does this cool thing every once in a while that, it, and it's doing it again, where it's flipping back and forth through different pages. And it's done that previously just to show you what's gonna happen next. So it flips to this page of like this one body that's several corpses put together. So you understand that that's what they're doing. And then they go into the vent And outside of the elevator shaft, the deadites are yelling, or chanting, no way out, at poor Cassie, who's looking out the one window of the elevator. And you're like, this poor child. So it's filling with blood. And as it's filling with blood, um, they're trying to reach, of course, the top hatch. Well, it comes away and you see hands coming out of the top hatch. So you realize right away they're fucked. But then you see the weight capacity on the elevator. It's six persons or 900 pounds is what it says. So I'm like, well, you count Cassie, you got Beth, you got Ellie, you got Danny, you got Bridget, and you got this evil spirit. So that's six people. Plus you got all the blood. So the elevator can't take the weight limit. The cords snap and it shoots, all, it drops all the way down to the bottom. You get the real Tower Terror shit now. And once it hits the bottom, the doors explode open and all this blood comes rushing out with the two women in it. Well, the the woman and the girl. And, uh, Beth is immediately like Cassie. And, you know, it's like Cassie, wake up, wake up. And Cassie opens her eyes and she goes, am I dead? <laughs> and I was literally like, I couldn't help myself. I I like laughed out loud just once. I was like, Pfft. and then I was like, oh, got to can it. So they go out in the garage they find the vehicle, uh, it's an old station wagon looking thing, and she's like, where's the beeper? Cassie hits the beeper, it lights up, the gate goes up, they get stuck in a fucking pothole, which is why you always look where you're driving, children. And Cassie's looking at the out the back window at the doors to the building, and they're sh- shut, they're shut, they're shut, and all of a sudden they're swinging, and she's like, Aunt Beth, it's coming. And another really great scene, a lot of these scenes are really great, full of lots of tension. This is another one, and they, the, the amalgamation is what I'll call it, is like running up to Beth's window, and the other door is open, and you can hear the car door open sound. So they play "Ring around the Rosies, around the station wagon a little bit, and then, of course, the light goes red and the gate starts to shut because it's on a timer. So Beth and Cassie book it. Beth is like, go under. They try. Beth rolls like a smart person. Cassie's still a child. Doesn't know to roll. So she like kind of dives and starts army crawling, which is not a good option. Gets snagged by the leg. And then we get this really cool shot of Cassie being like dragged over the hood of this car. Um, And we have, since the beginning of the movie, there's this shot of this big truck and a wood chipper. And the side of the truck is... Fonda's tree surgery with a chainsaw on it and I fucking love it. So they throw her, Cassie, into the back of the truck. Danny, uh, you get to see the amalgamation in this shadowy form and it's fucking creepy and it's really cool and I dig it, man. And Danny the Deadite finds a chainsaw and so Ellie's like, all we want is your head, baby girl. And so Cassie's preparing herself mentally to die. And Beth has broken back into the garage with the shotgun, shoots the amalgamation and is like, come get some. So the amalgamation tosses the chainsaw at her, which again, that's fucking cheating. You're not allowed to use the chainsaw amalgamation. You're a deadite. So she falls off the back of the, sh- uh, the wood chipper. And they are coming at her. They grab her by the legs and they try and pull her into the wood chipper that they start. Cassie is nearest to the lever so she turns it off. The amalgamation is like, what the hell? They drop drop Beth for a second. Beth grabs the chainsaw and Beth is like, you know, fucking it up. She's like, turn on the machine, Cassie. So Cassie turns it on. She slams that chainsaw into the amalgamation and you just see Dead Eye Danny and Dead Eye Bridget getting torn away from the amalgamation body and wood chipped up. And it is so fun. I fucking love it. And then of course their blood is coming out of the wood chipper and it's spraying everywhere. And it's not like a ton, but you get a little bit of blood rain. And I was like, Mad respect, man. Glad y'all are putting nods at the 2013 movie. Got my blood rain. So then Beth is like, or Ellie is like, Help me, Bethy Boo. And Beth is like, only my sister gets to call me that. <laughs> just slams the chainsaw into the top of Ellie's head. And then when it's just her head left, she says, you know, you really do look a lot like mom and you're going to fail just like her, you stupid groupie slut or whatever. And as she says the word groupie, which is best fucking least favorite thing, the most hated thing to be called, she kicks Ellie's head into the wood chipper it gets chipped up so then she grabs cassie she turns off the wood chipper grabs cassie as they're walking out she picks up the chainsaw and they leave the garage and you're you understand they have survived which is phenomenal uh two survivors of an evil dead movie fuck yeah you get two final girls fuck yeah man i love it subverting expectations a little bit A little bit more than I expected, which is exactly what I wanted. Because I was like, if anybody survives, I do want it to be Aunt Beth and Cassie. I wanted both of them to survive. I didn't think I would get it, but I fucking did. Thanks, Lee. And then you see morning comes and someone's coming out of their apartment. And it's Jessica from the cold open. And you can see that the elevator is stuck on the bottom floor. (laughs) Because, you know, when it came down and exploded and everything... How this girl misses all the blood in the lobby is beyond me. But we see her go out to the stairs. She's on the fifth floor. And she goes all the way down. Clearly misses all the blood in the lobby. Again, beyond me, man. She walks by a lot of the shit going on and gets to her car. She's talking to someone on the phone. And it's, of course, her cousin from the cold open. And she's like, wants to skip the whole lake thing. And she's like, nonsense. I'll be there at 15 to pick you up. Bai hangs up, gets in her car, turns it on, and then as she's looking out the mirrors, she realizes that there's a whole shit show that happened. So she turns off the car, gets out, is looking around, notices all the blood and rain, is like, what the fuck? And then we get fun push-ins from different angles of the spirit, and then it takes her, and then end title card. And I love the end title card because as it comes up, we push into the letters and we see that the reason it's got that pale and red sort of background to it is it's the book's drawings that have been kind of a, kind of uh clip. like I think it's called clip masking into the back of the letters. Super cool, super fun. And we get another look at those really cool illustrations and, That's it. That's the movie. There's no end credit scene. There's no groovy. There's no Hail to the King. But you know what? It's fucking phenomenal. It's a good movie. Um, Very tense. A lot of fun action sequences. Uh, I really, really like the look of the Deadites in this one. They are fucking fantastic. Like I said, the acting is phenomenal. I think the only thing that I really needed more of was Dead Eye Danny because Dead Eye Bridget did such a good job and all the other Deadites are really great. They're kind of background characters, though, um, whereas we spent a lot of time with Danny. So when Danny becomes a Dead Eye, I really wanted more of that. But other than that, it's a really great movie. It's a lot of fun. If you can kind of get be- reach beyond the terror of the moment, there's some funny shit in there. Um, I love Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie saves lives, y'all. I need that shirt. I need that shirt. Everyone needs a Stephanie in their life. I fully support that. I fully, I 100% committed to that belief. We all need a Stephanie in our lives. And Cassie, so Nell, who plays Cassie, is actually 12. And I believe she's playing Cassie as if Cassie's like an 8 or 9-year-old. And she does a phenomenal job. Every, everyone in this movie does a phenomenal job. Oh, it's, just, it's just a good movie. It's so hard to get a movie that hits on every level. And this movie does. Atmosphere, setting, music, acting, makeup, effects. Everything about it hits. I really wish that they had used a practical head effect for the beginning when Caleb's head gets ripped off, the douche boyfriend. Other than that, I'm fully satisfied with this movie. I, I mean, Evil Dead fans, we ate good this year. Like, this is phenomenal. If you've seen it, go see it again. If you haven't seen it, go see it, please. Like I said, the, you gotta put your money where your mouth is. Your support means we get sequels. And I want 50 more of these movies because this one fucking rocked. They clearly know what they're doing at this point, And I am so glad. Uh, I'm just, I'm... I was I was thrilled. Like I said, it's not it doesn't beat the 2013 one for me, but it is a good enough sequel that I am oh, I am very happy. It was worth seeing 3 times. Can't wait till it comes out on DVD cuz I know it's going to be something that I just put on and have on in the background for like just noise just because I like it so much. It is truly a spectacular watch. Definitely worth your time and i'm just i'm so glad that they did this and they did it so well um honestly if anybody who's part of this movie is listening thank you very much this movie was exactly what i wanted as a big fan of the 2013 one everyone just did amazing so um thank you guys for listening Um, I don't know what I'm gonna be doing next. I'm so glad I finally got this episode out because it's been bugging me since, like, Thursday I really wanted to talk about this. And I wanted Charles to be part of this episode, too, because I took him to see it Friday, but he's busy doing his own thing, so go bug him about it. Uh, he really enjoyed it. After we were done with the movie, it was really funny. He said to me... Uh, You know, I might actually have some trouble sleeping tonight. I think it was that peephole scene with the kid. And I was like, yep, that scene just fucks you up somehow. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, You can find me on Rubble. You can find me on Twitter. Twitter's the best way to get a hold of me. But if you liked this, please like, subscribe, comment, follow, whatever it is. Hit me up at BewareTheMoon on Twitter, um, and I think that's pretty much all. If you guys have any requests, hit me up at BewareTheMoonPod at gmail.com I will do my best to look at those and get those out. I don't think I've had any requests so far, which is kind of good, because that means I can do movies that I like. (laughs) Kind of gives me free range, but um, I also want to know what you guys are into. So, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Hit me up. Let me know what you guys thought. Until next time, Have a good one. Don't forget to beware the moon, y'all.